Hey devs, you're tuning into the debug log number 51. So we've got another great interview for you guys. Double the flavor, double the fun. Two weeks, two interviews, we won't stop. <laughs> Can't stop. Anyway, uh, so yeah, we, we actually sit down today with the co-founders from Late Panda, based out of Glasgow, Scotland. That is Ellie Heed and Stephen McCallum. Uh, me and Ryan sit down and chat about freemium games in the game industry and its negative impact and some positive impacts it's had on the industry at large. Stephen really goes into detail. Uh, he wrote an excellent blog post on their website about this topic, and we just jump into it and you know tackle a lot of the issues that he's found with freemium games so without further ado this is the debug log episode 51 again this is pretty casual no need to be too nervous um just... yeah don't worry about it i'm, I'm good with the casual chit chat so all right perfect i think i think right it'll be... maybe not so much <laughs> yeah i, I, I wager that i'm probably going to be speaking the most just because it comes out of me a bit easier but okay. we'll see what happens basically he doesn't shut up so <laughs> <laughs> oh man so if we had andrew on here there'd just be a non-stop like exactly. sound wave happening. yeah yeah pretty much it'd just be constant noise <laughs> i think that would make a great episode you know Listening to the Debug Log, a podcast about game development. My name's Obino Opara. And I'm Ryan Kilgore. And it's just the two of us here. Uh, <laughs> just the two of us. Just the two. Okay, all right. It's sorry. date night. So. <laughs> date night. Hey. Boys night. All right, sorry. Let's get serious. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> we're professionals. Uh, so yeah, today we have an interview with uh, two folks, the co founders of Late Panda. That's Elizabeth Heed and Stephen McCallum. And we actually met them through our Facebook group, which is the Debug Lounge. Um, Ellie posted a, a, a post from their blog uh, from Stephen who talked about, you know, just freemium games on in the game, div, uh, game industry and actually, you know, the negative effects of it. Uh, I know I really enjoyed it. What were you thinking? What were your thoughts? Uh, um, no, I mean, my my thoughts were it was a very interesting read. It, uh, like it, it did go into a lot of the ways that you know, sort of, they feel that freemium gaming is sort of negatively negatively impacting the gaming industry. And I, I agreed with a lot of it. Um, you know, I'm not sure all of it's necessarily proven out yet, but I, I think they're interesting ideas, and um, we kind of go into that with them and talk about it as well as some of the you know maybe positive things that freemium brings to the table as well. Because you know, nothing's ever really a complete negative usually um so well, 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 well ryan don't spoil it for them let's just jump right into okay. it okay all right well here you guys go So today here we have a special interview with you for you guys. Uh, today we're going to be talking about freemium games on mobile and a little bit of the advantages, disadvantages, gripes, uh, you know, annoyances that we have with it, uh, especially uh, uh, since we're talking to uh, two individuals, I guess the founders and co-founders of Late Panda, a company based out of Glasgow, um, Scotland. Scotland, yes, and that is Stephen McCallum and Elizabeth Andy Lee Heed. So welcome to the show, guys. Thanks very much. Hi. Cool. So I guess it's just to get things started, can you guys give us a little bit of background about, I guess, your personal background as game developers, you know, enthusiasts, etc. And then we'll jump into some background about Late Panda. 
Well, uh, on the personal side, I've been into storytelling since I was like a little kid. My dad was always, uh, always, always told me stories about like always made up stories himself in, te- in terms of bedtime stories and stuff like that. So I got really interested in creating my own stories. Uh, from there, I kind of like decided to go into university, pursue a career in game development, and that's where I met Ellie. And uh, we came out of university and immediately started Late Panda, and we've just been there ever since, kind of like working on that. Yeah, uh, for me, it's more about the programming coding side of things. So I've always been interested in developing software. So when I found out that I could, you know, make games for a living, <laughs> uh, that's you know that's my dream. So just started doing that right on that's kind of a similar track for me it's like oh i really got interested in computers and then i got like a doom uh doom shareware one day and i was like wait like (laughs) kind of like elizabeth said it's like i can make money doing this and this looks really cool and i just play with this all day so it's like yeah it seemed like a natural fit (laughs) yeah i feel like that's a major thing for our industry just thinking oh we can make money from doing this are you joking (laughs) exactly Brilliant. Sorted. <laughs> so uh, about Late Panda. So what made you guys, you know, create this game company? And um, I guess, is, is it strictly mobile that you guys are working with? Or are you guys doing multiple platforms? Uh, it's it's a mobile game, but we're also uh, developing it for web browser as well. So you can play it on uh, any web browser that will work with a Unity game. Uh, so it's the, the formation of Late Panda kind of came out of nowhere. We were working in a group project at some point in university and uh, we decided, why don't we just like start this for real? You know, like get this group together and actually make something. Uh, unfortunately, we never really bothered because everybody in university kind of like fell apart uh, because we were doing university at the same time. We kind of didn't take the company as serious. But Ellie and I, when we left, decided, OK, let's actually give this a proper go. Uh, let's just put our heads down and actually get into the industry. Because over here in Scotland, getting into the games industry is actually really tough. There's not a lot of companies out here. You've got like Rockstar and then you've got all of the indie companies that are spotted around the place. And it's difficult to kind of get your foot in the door. So we thought, how about we just try ourselves, see what happens, you know, see how far we get. Yeah, it's it's what it's what most people do. Yeah, so, you know, if you want to work in the games industry in Scotland, you either have to be like with one of the big guys or just start your own company because all the like little companies are all you know they're not, they're not big enough to hire a lot of people so you just start your own company there's hundreds of us gotcha cool so how, how big is the company now how many uh employees are you guys sporting uh six including the two of us okay are these uh members all from uh university or you guys meet them different ways no, we uh, we put an advertisement out for a few people uh, for like a sound engineer and then an artist and uh, managed to get two of our staff members from that. And one of them we met in university. He recently came back to our company because he finished university and asked if he could come and join us. Uh, and the the other one we met, I met at a game jam and uh, he wanted to come work for us as well. So, yeah, it was kind of all over the place. Nice. Cool. Yeah, I was like asking about like how people form these game companies because I think I think it's almost like a, a key piece of information. That a lot of our listeners, a lot of game developers in general, are just like eager to hear like how did someone start their game companies. Uh, so I just like touching on that almost every time I talk to someone new. Uh, but anyway, well, if, you, if you don't mind, I can actually give a good uh, thing on that. Actually, um, I'll, I'll say for anyone out there who's looking to start a company, starting it's probably the easiest thing uh, because all you really need to do is just decide to do it. Um, And when it comes to getting people to join you, people to work with you, think of it like, how much do you want to work for this game industry? 
because everybody else wants to work for the game industry just as much as you do. It's actually quite easy to get people to work in this industry. People love to make things. People love to make games. So I don't see it being a problem to round up the staff. Like when we put out the advertisement for two people to join our staff, a sound engineer and an artist, we got over 200 applicants for that position. And we had to to leaf through that. We had to decide who was the best. It wasn't... I did, sorry. <laughs> uh, I had to leap through that and decide who was best. It wasn't so much as picking who wanted to come with us. It was picking who was best. Hmm. So don't think to yourself, if you're out there thinking, I want to start a game company, don't think, I don't know where to start. Think just what game do you want to make and then start rounding up people to do it. You can do it out of your garage. You don't need to do much, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's not as difficult as people perceive it to be. The difficult thing is keeping it going. I agree. Interesting. Very cool. So um, I'm going to transition a little bit over to, or not a little bit, a lot of bit to the freemium model <laughs> and, uh, you know, what, we're, what everyone's here for to hear about, you know, your your take on the freemium model. And since you guys have a, a, a budding uh, game company, you're deep into mobile, uh, it'll be a great, you know, it's perspective on what you guys have to bring about the freemium model. Uh, so anyway, just to get things started about the freemium model, like, could you explain to us and to our listeners what, I guess, what the freemium model is for you in your own words? Oh, uh, <laughs> so, sorry, Elliot's tangling up with cables right now. Um, <laughs> so the the uh, the way I look at a freemium model is a game that is. Uh, the, the definition of a, a freemium game is something that is free with aspects of a premium game. So it's, it's it's something that you can download off the store for free, but have some form of transaction in the game, something that is included in the game that you need to pay for to have a better experience or to add to the game or whatever it be, m- might be. Uh, so it's it, it can be microtransactions like uh, loot or it can be DLC kind of stuff, anything that really anything that the player needs to purchase in the game, but doesn't necessarily have to to play the game. Like they can play it for free, but paying for things is just going to add more content for them to enjoy. Gotcha. So you you mentioned DLC, uh, and it kind of reminds me. Well, I guess DSL definitely applies to mobile, but like, does the concept of the freemium model extend beyond just mobile? Because I think in recent days we're really hearing freemium. And we're like immediately attaching it to a mobile app or a mobile game. Uh, does that freemium model extend to things beyond just mobile games? The mechanics of a freemium model does, but not in the best way. Um, we're seeing a lot of games out there uh, that include microtransactions the same way that a freemium game would, but you're still having to pay $60 for yourself um, uh, to, to actually get that game. Uh, and if you're paying sixty dollars for the game, why do you then have to pay two or three extra dollars for skins for your weapons? Why can't you get them for like significantly less? Or even if you're buying uh, points for the game, like money or any kind of in-game kind of currency, mm-hmm. um, it, it doesn't make any sense to have that in a triple A game. But it is bleeding into that market because it's going so successful on mobile. But it, the, the problem is that it's successful for bad reasons. And that's 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 the problem. Uh, yeah, it seems like an. I don't, yeah, I don't need. 
Do you see that maybe being maintainable in AAA? Because like you said, with these $60 price tags, and then I kind of walk in and see all this like pay content up, I may not trust that person again to like to buy a game from them. Like, because it seems to be more and more, especially in shooters, it seems like you mentioned with the gun skins that they're they're putting up all these walls for new weapons and new you know like abilities and things of that nature. Yes. Do you uh, think that's sustainable? Yeah. I I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's sustainable. It's it's it really depends on how the users take it. You can see it's split fifty fifty. There's there's players who think that it's fine, players who don't really care, but then you get the players who react incredibly negatively to it. Like some people might not even play any games from that just because they get so frustrated from it. I know from personal experience, um the I think it's Assassin's Creed Syndicate started microtransactions. I don't know if it was that one or one before that, but one of them had microtransactions in it, and it was the last Assassin's Creed game I said I would play because I was so frustrated at it. Uh, right. Not to really call out Ubisoft, but <laughs> like, yeah. um, there's a lot of people doing it. Yeah, yeah the, 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 that that aspect of it, like it ruined the experience for me when I saw it. I, I reacted incredibly negatively to it, so I can see some people reacting very negatively to it. But it, if it's if it's handled well, I feel like it can be sustainable. But at the same time, I don't necessarily want it to be because it's it has a lot of negatives that companies can use. Mm-hmm. You know. Gotcha, I agree. Um, so I kind of, you touched on a lot of things there that I kind of want to dive a little deeper into. Uh, I guess the first one that I really want to tackle is just if you could outline uh, some of the major advantages of why these companies, why game developers, indie de- game developers, and like the AAA game developer, why they choose to approach you know, their marketing strategy for their games using the freemium model. Uh, it's very simple Uh, when it comes to an indie developer when it comes to the mobile market nowadays you can't really put a mobile game on to the market and have it cost anything to download people Mm -hmm. won't download it it, free games are now the the standard Mm -hmm. so you need to have some form of other revenue generation in your game now whether that's banner ads pop-up ads or whatever uh, those can be sustainable for the for the company like they can't they can get money from advertisements but microtransactions add a lot more revenue to the company so i can understand companies using them it's just the way that they use them that i don't necessarily agree with but um when it comes to triple a titles uh them using microtransactions makes less sense to me because they already get multi-millions from the actual price tag of the game itself gotcha yeah so yeah it seems a bit greedy when they like you said, like something like GTA might come out. They did, they haven't done this yet, I don't think. But you know, you hear about them making like five hundred million or something in the first week, and then you see like a little thing. Hey, for two ninety nine, you can like, what the hell? Aren't you rolling in money now? Do you really need to nickel and dime me for all that? Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's exactly that. There's a there's a lot of there's a lot of that reaction happening when it when it when it's a big company doing it. Um, that's why, like, when I say that they can they can do that, it's fine. It's just it needs to be handled better. It really depends on what they're trying to sell, uh, and how kind of th- which will reflect on how upset the players would get um, when they actually see that transaction in the game. Gotcha. And that, so that calls into question you like the handle it well part. So a lot of like, especially with the AAA, I think um, I guess the argument could be made that that the microtransaction that you're making or that that DLC that you're buying for 2.99 uh like a month after the game's release is just yeah like like I said another piece of DLC so the argument can be made that this is money 
I guess, well spent because this is new content that they're delivering. Just like in a mobile game, uh, new content is delivered. Well, I guess you don't constantly. I guess you don't constantly play for that. But I guess my argument, I messed up my argument. But my point is, there seems like there's some times where, you know, you you do you're just getting that DLC and that is worth the money. Like I think Rocket League came out with the, you know, those little, was it the Batman car, the Back to Future car? And a lot of people jumped on that. Um, So is it, is it really... Yep. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, those, I, at least from my, my opinion, those were a little more easier to swallow because they were like a couple bucks, but it was just for like an aesthetic thing. You know, it really didn't affect gameplay, didn't hinder me in any way. It's just like, oh, I like Back to the Future. You had an artist like spend time designing this, creating it, and then putting it into the game. So I can understand kicking like a buck or so just for some, you know, just non-gameplay affected thing what do, you, what do you get how do you guys feel is it like does an aesthetic align wrong where it's like hey if it's just yeah, it looks kind of cool then you know that's probably okay but if you've got a if it's like actually altering gameplay that's when it gets really bad in terms of uh like multiplayer games i'd say if it's altering gameplay if there's something that you can buy like a sword and it's like a pay to win item you know you have this sword you've paid uh, some an extra couple of bucks for the sword so now you're better than other players who can't afford the sword mm-hmm. that <laughs> that that annoys the hell out of me um but yeah. for things like you know like team fortress uh, you can buy hats like they're insanely popular and they're just hats you know that that's that's fine <laughs> See if, if if I can add to that, that's that's kind of what I'm trying to say when I say um, handle it well. When 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 companies when companies put in something that is like pay to win strategy, when people make a game that essentially a player can just spend like upwards of a hundred pound on a mobile game, uh, they can make their prior, uh, their character way better than anybody else's, and just just spend their time demolishing every other character because they can't. Uh, they can't get that content because they don't want to pay for it or what have you. But that's 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 when it's not handled well. That's that's when companies kind of take the exploitation, and that's one of the things that I went to into in my article when I was talking about um, the female model. I was talking about the whales. Um, they are they are the people that spend the hundreds and hundreds of dollars or pounds on on a game that other players don't really have that money to spend, and then it makes them way better than the players, which makes those players less likely to play and puts down your market. So it's great for the company in the short term, but in the long term, it's really damaging. You know, that's that's the problem. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. You so you mentioned your, which I didn't even give a proper credence to, your article and blog post that you guys wrote, which actually was the the reason we sparked this little conversation to, to get you guys on the show is just, it was a wonderfully written article about freemium games and how they are basically killing the game industry. Uh, and you lay out a lot of good points that I kind of want to dive, you know, deeper into, um, right now. Um, but you mentioned like, uh, like handling it well, I, I think, I guess one, another aspect of the freemium model that is really apparent to me is, you know, I think, uh, we've talked on our previous show, but Eduardo and another co-host of the debug log just released his game, the hangman on Google play. And he released using, you know, this, this freemium model. Uh, and I think one of the arguments for him, for a marketing standpoint was, you know, there's a lot of, you know, the opportunity for user acquisition was, is really huge for him and, and getting that an onset and onslaught of initial users onto his game by having it free on the marketplace or the, I guess the Play Store uh, was, uh, I guess, a a selling point for him. So, what do you got? What are your thoughts on 
like what 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 is the the negatives about that him choosing that option or let me not attack him but just general i mean mobile games in general what is the, what's the your major gripes i just like outline the steps that you did or the points you did in your article is basically what i'm trying to say well uh basically the the, the perspective that we have on the freemium uh, market right now is that it's handled poorly as it is but that's not necessarily saying that it's bad or a bad decision. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree that games on the mobile uh, market should be free. Uh, it's just the way that freemium transactions are handled inside the game. It's the premium part of the freemium that I have a problem okay. with. Um, so if if people can, uh, can um, mould their games to fit a different freemium type then that's that's the better that's the better kind of um pathway that i see happening which is something that we are doing with our game uh we're we're trying to implement a lot of free, uh, freemium aspects like the the microtransactions the adverts and all that but we're doing it in a way that is different from the current market we're we're, we're implementing adverts that are less intrusive we're implementing um transactions that don't necessarily change too much of the game that but also can be found inside the game as well so you can pay for them or you can fight this boss over and over again and eventually he's going to drop it mm. so there's there's that's that's the way that we see is better of handling it because from our perspective we see that as quite a high user acquisition model because if people see it as the game is completely free you don't need to buy the transactions at all they're just there for the people who want to uh, boost themselves in the game boost himself further than uh, they can just by spamming the same boss over and over again. Mm -hmm. They've got, like, say, a, a spare £20 they just want to waste on the game. They can buy a whole bunch of loot, get a whole bunch of stuff, and then that's it. Perfect. But they could just waste their time, or not waste their time, spend their time uh, fighting the bosses and then get the loot themselves. That's 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 the uh, perspective we see uh, when it comes to Eduardo's game on the App Store. I wholeheartedly agree that Freemium Model is the best choice. Mm -hmm. Doing a paid version of a game is incredibly difficult to sell on the mobile market now. Gotcha. Well, yeah, uh, the reason the reason we're doing the freemium model but differently is because we, we do have a team of six and, you know, we're, we're spending time making this game and we're going to need to start making money. <laughs> uh, so if you put it on the App Store for a price, you could, you could either do a premium price and that it's a paywall, so that immediately... Uh, eliminates like a lot of potential customers but you have it for free and then you have so what we're doing is non-intrusive uh, advertisements so the the banners and like the pop-up uh, in your face videos that you get usually uh, we've scrapped them and we're doing adverts inside the game itself so like inside the 3d world yeah. so so hopefully uh <laughs> hopefully less intrusive nice uh so <laughs> Oh, to yeah. explain that a bit better, well, yeah, um, basically oh, yeah, what we're yeah. doing is building billboards in the game world and uh, posters and stuff like that, and then we'll paste a real-life advertisement into this game world. But we've also built the game around uh, a universe where advertisements in that world won't seem out of place. Gotcha. So, so it makes sense. We've done it in a way that only works for our game. <laughs> That's the problem. Gotcha. Um, it, it gotcha. yeah, that was, I was actually just... Sorry, go on. Oh, sorry. I was, oh, I was just about to ask that. Yeah, because like 
you know, I imagine with all those billboards in the game, if you haven't like sort of tailored your world, like, you know, some, some like sort of, uh, I guess competitive say like Counter-Strike and other games, they can do it, but it's like, it's kind of a realistic real world scenario. So if you saw like a billboard in the arena, it's like, oh yeah, Buy some uh, bread, uh, an advertisement for bread or <laughs> yeah. something like you that. It kind of makes sense. You can't make a game about the rolling when... times and have an advertisement for Coca-Cola. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's the problem. <laughs> exactly. So, there you go. So from the very beginning, uh, obviously we knew we had to make money from the game. So so uh, we've designed the game around the fact that these adverts are going to be non-intrusive inside the game world itself. Nice. Yeah, I think that that's an interesting and excellent way, I think, to make premium in premium work and free work. Um, and also, I just want to mention that you guys shouldn't feel bashful for saying your game name. So if I don't know if you guys wanted to get that name out there, uh, but definitely. Plug. Sell it. Yeah. <laughs> We've been hedging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, definitely talk about it because I mean, I, like you said, this is a, a very interesting perspective and take on you know including freemium in your game is being you know cognizant of it from the onset and actually planning for that in game design. So, so yeah, be feel free to to go into as much details you want. <laughs> Yeah, go for it. You want to just plug the game? <laughs> I won't yeah, give, yeah, I won't give you a, a um, speech on it, but I'll just say that um, the game's called Scoring Tales. Uh, you can hear all about it on our Facebook and Twitter. We're talking about it practically constantly. Um, but um, we're also developing it over time. We're developing it the same kind of uh, fashion as Minecraft. Okay. So we're looking for people to be playing it while we're developing it so that they can tell us what's wrong with it, essentially, because we want to make the best game for our players. That's what our goal is with this game. It's not just about changing how freemium is seen. It's not just about changing how advertisements are done in mobile. It's all about doing the best game for the players. So that's really what we're trying to do. Uh, but it's not even just that. Like We're not just, we're not just doing... like The game isn't just advertisements and... Uh, microtransactions like it's got its its own unique points like we're we're developing it as it's a mobile role-playing game but um not like the way that mobile role-playing games are currently done we don't we, we've looked at a few we don't really like them because they're all they have the base mechanics of a role-playing game but they just don't feel the same you just don't invest as much time into the game you sp play it for like a few hours and then it's done so we're trying to bring what would be a PC or console role-playing experience onto the mobile market because let's face it, iPhone 7 and S7 are powerful enough to play a much, much more detailed game than are on the market right now. So we're committing quite a lot of our time to develop this project. I mean, it's a large project that we're doing but like I said, we're developing it with the community and it's going to be released over time. So we're pretty much putting out a beta of the game relatively soon. I'll leave that as a question mark. Exactly. Not really sure. <laughs> leave some bit. But, um, when it's done, yeah. Yeah, when it's done. That's 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 what we're going with. Um, cool. So, I mean, we've we've taken the game to a few expos and stuff like that, and tried to see what people think about it, and it seems like we're getting quite a good response, especially when we go into what it is and what it will be and what it's going to have and how it's going to change things. So, yeah, like that's that's I say going to change things like it's set in stone, but you know. Yeah. I'm pessimistic. I'm optimistic. Sorry. Nice. I love, but um, yeah, I love the, be, uh, yeah. the open source approach to your game. Uh, a quick, a quick step back to just the the freemium and how you guys are including freemium into uh, Scorian Tales. Um, I'm curious, like, if you guys could outline some of, like, uh, I guess a little bit more of the explicit, you know, steps that you guys took to include 
premium content in your game. Um, like how, like when you're, or I guess another question is like, what games out there are like the models for a good freemium game, a good game that has put together the pre- premium model as you would like it to be put in the game industry? And if not, what could it improve on? Like, I guess we mentioned offline, just Pokemon Go. Like, do you consider that a good use of freemium model or a terrible use of freemium model? Okay, that's that's an interesting one. Uh, I'll start I'll start with the game that I had in mind before you mentioned okay. Pokemon Go, right? <laughs> but- <laughs> from our perspective when we were when we were developing this idea we used fallout shelter as our example because fallout shelter did oh, yeah. the um what they called sorry the microtransactions yeah the the boxes the lunch boxes oh, yeah, yeah. um they did the lunch boxes that contained random That's loot true. right but that loot is perfectly you're you're perfectly able to get that loot if you venture into the wasteland so you can achieve those items if you send your wastelander out for 24 hours you might find a rare item that you'd find in a box you just should buy the box instead or you can earn the boxes from achievements that's that's one of the things that made us go yes that's how it's done yeah, i remember zach when and, he was playing fallout shelter he dumped a lot of money in those little random boxes uh yes but the yes. gameplay was just a, a- no i was as well i was very <laughs> tempted to but yeah uh, unfortunately the the problem i had with fallout shelter is i didn't think it had the life of a bethesda game like i saw it as a bethesda title and i think that's the problem i had it was definitely a mobile game and that's why it kind of had a short life it flared into existence and then kind of died down but it did prove that the hardcore audience the ones that play on the console and pc it proved that they will play a mobile game even though all this, they all say that mobile games are bad, mobile games are horrible, they, they proved when that game was released that the hardcore audience would play this kind of game. But uh, back to Pokemon so Go. Do you think... <laughs> so, um... oh, okay. Actually, I had, I had, one, I had one question about, uh, like, you mentioned flaring into existence for the Bethesda game and then just kind of like sort of snuffing out. You know, do you see that as happening with a lot of freemium titles? Because I know in the article you mentioned, you know, you sort of build up a community of whales and that sort of... St- like pushes out the like other players who aren't paying or paying very little, and then the game just kind of like sort of implodes after a little while. I mean, do you think that's kind of a, like a, an effect of the uh, the freemium model? Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> the uh, okay. the current freemium model is definitely catered towards uh, flaring into existence kind of game. People who make those games don't expect them to have long lives, and you can see that when you look at how big the game actually is. I mean, like. You can, you can play it for a few hours and then you've got pretty much all of it out of it but when you when you play like when you pay sorry to win uh you get a bit more out of it so you enjoy it a bit more and then the people who are playing it who don't pay to win start enjoying it less and then even play it less than they could have so yes it definitely flares into existence for most uh freemium games that's not saying all because some actually do it quite well but um um, yeah, cool. And then, what were your thoughts on Pokemon Go? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, I interrupted your thought there. Sorry. No, that's fine. Uh, Pokemon Go is a very touchy subject with me. Uh, I actually really liked it when it first came out. Really liked it. I thought it was very well done for what it was. Uh, it was definitely early development, so we could see the promise that it had, and everything that I am going to say might change. So, you never know because it's still in development. But uh, the figures don't lie to how well it's doing. But um, 
the the initial release of the game did the microtransactions very well because the the pokeballs the incense and all of that you didn't need to buy it it just improved it a little bit you could buy the incubators but you always had that one that had infinite or you could find them from the pokestops you could find pokeball from pokestops but then they updated it <laughs> and not only did they change the locations for the pokemon which uh, angered everybody but they also increased the rate of uh, the Pokemon breaking out of the Pokeballs, which therefore meant that you had to use more Pokeballs, which means that you'd run out of Pokeballs faster, which means you need to buy Pokeballs. So it was kind of pushing people to buy them. Now, it's most likely because they probably saw not a lot of people were buying Pokeballs, people were just finding them. But at the same time, it made a lot of money. So it feels like it's a greedy move on their half. You know, it was still in development and it made millions. And it had so much promise mm-hmm. and yet kind of fell apart now i mean if you look at it now there's there's i i personally saw three different youtubers playing pokemon go now none of them are playing it because and all of them say the same thing like nobody's playing pokemon go anymore Mm -hmm. and yes it's still popular people still play it but it's less popular than it was yeah when when it first came out uh me and steven would walk back from the office and we'd just spend like an hour or so until the ba- until the batteries on our phones died <laughs> playing Pokemon Go. People in Glasgow, like everywhere, there were like massive clusters of people who were obviously just playing Pokemon Go because there was a like a Pokestop and a law there, mm-hmm. and it was just this massive community of people all playing this game. And now, you really don't <laughs> see that. Yeah. You really don't see that at all now. No, you, you don't. I, no. <laughs> It's very disappointing because I kept saying every time Ellie and I would be out Pokemon going, uh, <laughs> it was it was always I was always saying how good the game was in the state that it was before the update, um, and how much promise I saw in it. And like as a game developer, I saw all of the stuff that was missing from it. I saw all the stuff they hadn't done yet, and I saw all of the stuff they could do. All of the I saw all of the bad stuff as well <laughs> that they haven't fixed mm-hmm. yet, but. I didn't care. I thought it was brilliant for what it was. All they had to do was stick onto the same path and keep going, but they didn't, and it's very disappointing. Gotcha. That's not saying that uh, they couldn't fix it and bring Pokemon Go back. It's just it's got bad, bad stigma now that I feel like it's going to be difficult to gotcha. do that. I, I had a, I think I made this uh, point on a previous podcast episode about when we hit, went on our rant about Pokemon Go as, Go as well, is that... You know, the, the major update and the changes they made were as you came as a result of, you know, a lot of the hacking that went on. And this is my this is my take on it, I guess. It came as a result of a lot of the hacking that went on. And it, since it was so pro- popular, there was a lot of, you know, people and people that wanted to, you know, backdoor it, um, figure out ways to earn more Pokeballs, walk around distances without leaving their couch. You know, it was just a lot of, you know, underhanded ways they people figured out to play this game which kind of did ruin i guess what they envisioned what to me at least envisioned for their game uh and so i I felt like a lot of their changes were to kind of work around those hacks and work around those problems um which may have affected their initial idea of what their freemium game would look like um i I could be completely wrong but i i don't know i guess that doesn't that doesn't really to help defend them from killing the freemium model at all. Yeah. So, yeah, the um, yeah, the, the the one comment I do have on that is like I you know, I don't know if it was the hacking per se because it seems like they took the easy way out um like Steven was saying and just like up mm-hmm. the price of the pokeballs and or like up the sorry, up the 
need of them to move around. Which, I mean, the hackers don't care, right? It's like that's just one more small fence they've got to jump over. So it's like, okay, I can still sit at my computer, still be three places at once, and then just collect from Pokestops. It's like what they really need to do is just fix their that's servers true. and make them more secure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, no, but, but I mean, maybe some of those other changes with like relocating the Pokemon now, maybe that had something to that do with definitely it. You know, so. That definitely touched, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think um, some, of, some of the hacking. Uh, was a result of the game being broken itself. Mm. So when, you know, there, there was a website, I can't remember what it's called, but you could, or an app maybe, mm. uh, you could you could track Pokemon, which is something you should have been able to do mm. in the app, but it was broken. And then Niantic uh, took down the, the service, so you couldn't track Pokemon effectively anymore. So... Yes. The... the... The, the the major problem that I have with the game is that the, it it just changed too much and like you said the the hackers were there they they did make quite a lot of problems for Niantic and like Ella was saying with the pokey kind of radar stuff um, I don't see that as a problem personally as a game developer I actually feel like hackers are still going to hack you're there's it's it's very difficult to address hackers when it comes to your game. Yes, you could do things to make them play, but this, at the end of the day, they're playing your game. So why stop them playing your game by taking away what they're doing? Like, for example, if they... I've, I've seen people put a, a phone onto a, a record player and let it spin around so that they get their oh, yeah. eggs hatched. To which I thought, that's genius! Nice. You know, not like... My God, he's so lazy. Why is he, why is he even bother playing the game? I thought that's genius because who wants to be walking around for ten mm-hmm. kilometers? You know, like I can understand yeah. that, but at the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean that's all they did to hack eggs. They still had to go out and catch Pokemon, so they still walked, they still played the game, they still had the experience. So I don't see the point in changing the 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 the, the game to address the hackers, but. Like, especially when it comes to the Poké Radar, like Ellie said, it's, it's a very good point. They had tracking, but it was taking out of it. So then people made a workaround to allow this tracking feature, with quotation marks, work again. So I can understand that, and I personally wouldn't have changed the locations of the Pokémon so that that broke that map, because like they took away that feature, and people need some yeah. way to identify where the Pokémon are. They can't just aimlessly wander yeah. around their streets. I mean, let's face it, that I is agree. dangerous, you know? I mean, it's not safe everywhere. <laughs> I so, I can understand. Yeah, well, there are some people here. Yeah, there are some people here in San Francisco that got, like, mugged. Or I think even one guy got shot or I something. I have heard horror stories from people that have yeah. wandering with Pokemon Go. Like, it's... I mean, not not only are you wandering around in the dark, but, I mean, you've got your phone on, so the bright light in your face, people can find you <laughs> in the dark. So, like... And the battery's dying as well. And the battery's <laughs> dying in your true. phone. So, yeah. like, there's so much bad stuff around it. So when it comes to changing the locations, I really don't understand yeah. why they did it. You know, so there, there seems to be no justification in it from my perspective, because like, why bother? Why change locations? If this external app, like you found the Pokemon, just use, let them use that. Just means one less feature for you to implement, <laughs> exactly. you know. I agree completely, uh, and I'm sure Niantic is over in the corner just cackling about how much we've been talking about their games. Uh, but uh, just to, let's go back to the uh, the freemium talk, and and I want to ask you guys just one final one more final question about um, uh, freemium and how you guys are implementing it into Scorion Tales. One thing I was thinking about was like, especially like, you know, you, you kind of look at freemium as almost DLC pieces that you're adding to this game. Like, how do you choose what to make, what pieces of your game to make free and what pieces to make more premium? What, 
Um, not not so much like the cost of each thing, but like how do you choose features in your game to make free and what to make freemium? Because I feel like those are like key decisions in game design that will actually drive whether the freemium model for you will actually works out or it fails horribly. Well, that goes back to me saying uh, it depends on how they do freemium model. <laughs> it depends on mm. what you want from it, from, from what I see. If you want to make lots and lots of money, then make a game where you've got uh, microtransactions that lets you buy the sword that kills everybody in one hit, you know, because people will buy that and people will use that, but then your your game's going to have a short life because people are going to get bored of it. If the people who don't pay don't want to play anymore, then the people who have paid will not want to play anymore because there's no one left to kill. So your game's going to die pretty quickly. And I do, I do talk about that in that mm-hmm. in my article. Um if you wanted to make a game where the freemium and from from my perspective are done better then when it comes to adding your transactions you should really focus on cosmetic changes stuff that the player can like skins for your guns or it can be actual loot like you can you can buy the sword that will kill them in one hit but it's also attainable in the game that's that's the key feature where i think it changes from exploitation to the the way that freemium model should be done um sorry um i feel i feel like just doing that little thing just to give the opportunity for the free players to be able to play the game completely for free but still have the same experience as the play users sure they might have to put significantly more effort into it but it really depends on what you value more your effort and your time or your money so Oh, did she want to say something? Or, oh, okay, go you ahead. You want to say something? Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Just keep going. <laughs> I'm not sure what she's trying to hint at. She just showed me like a thing with text written on it saying, like, I, I think she's trying to get, are you trying to get me to talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> just say it. Say, okay, so I wrote a memo saying, how are we doing freemium? <laughs> why? Do you want me to speak about it? Yeah. Right, okay. So I don't know why she didn't just say that. <laughs> anyway, so... The the way that we're doing freemium is essentially like what I was saying with the the able to buy it but also able to find it or the transactions aren't actually that expensive or they're in an exponential growing discount or whatever it be. Uh, there's also the, the way that we're doing the advertisements. Like you can just do a game with advertisements if you don't want to do transactions at all. You're not going to make as much money, but you can still do it. And the way that I see the advertisements being is like just as long as they're less intrusive, it's better. But um, we are we're also planning for the for for the future of our game. Uh, when the game's completely finished, we're going to be adding more content to it, like as an expansion set, like the same kind of way that World of Warcraft do, like Cataclysm. We're going to add whole new areas, characters, monsters, all of this to extend life of the game. But that also brings another method of uh, transactions. Those, unfortunately, you're, you can only buy them because they are full-on content. Um, but yeah, we wanted we wanted to extend, extend extend the life of the game in some way that adds more content to the game itself, rather than just adding more quests. We wanted to add a bit more depth. So that's kind of our way of doing freemium, but. This, the, the game industry is all about innovation, so you don't necessarily need to follow what 
the mobile mobile gaming industry is doing or you don't necessarily need to follow what we're doing you don't need to take my <laughs> word as gospel i mean like <laughs> you're just out of university so i don't know everything if you think of any other way to do this do it that way like the way that we're doing advertisements the way that we're doing microtransactions that's how we think it should be done but we might be wrong we might be completely wrong but we're still going to try because we think it's better from our perspective and from the player's perspective so yeah if there's any promise of the game developers out there if you think there's a better way of doing it firstly please <laughs> let me know so i can do it but yeah. <laughs> do it yourself like just get a team together get a, t- get a team together and go do it excellent Awesome. I think it, I think it's a great way to end this. That is very inspirational, actually. Um, well, Ellie and Stephen, I'm we're glad to have you on the show and talk to us about the freemium game model. Um, and everyone, you can check out their game over at uh, LatePanda.com uh, on Facebook. Like uh, their Facebook page is also called Late Panda, and the game again is Scorian Tales. So keep an eye out for that. Um, do you guys have a Twitter or anything you want to plug or anything? Yeah, else? Late Panda Studio. If you follow us on Twitter, we talk frequently so yeah give us a follow give us a like on facebook and just kind of follow us yeah we'll we'll definitely put all this information (laughs) that's that's a bit odd but okay (laughs) especially preferably don't follow us just like personally and the and stuff that would be a bit awkward but you know that's too funny uh, but we'll, yeah, we'll definitely put, right put the uh, Twitter handles, the Facebook post, or your Facebook page and uh, website all up on the uh, episode uh, when it goes out. So they'll have access to that. And as well as a link to this the wonderful article that you wrote. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Again, it was really nice to have you guys on the show. We really, really appreciate it. I know it's really late on your side of town, so <laughs> we definitely... Oh, don't worry about it. It's not that late. It's only like 8 right, o'clock, cool. so it's not that bad. Um but thanks very much for having us here. It was it was great. Loved it. Absolutely. I mean, that yeah. was a bit ranty, but right. I still liked it. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's great. It's better than getting people who kind of, you know, just kind of like shut down. They're like, yes, no, monosyllabic answers. And it's like, okay, well, I guess this is us talking about yeah. it. So. See, this is why Stephen was talking about me. <laughs> oh, you did fine. <laughs> I had to turn to her a few times. Do you want to see anything? <laughs> it was fine. Well done. But yeah. All right. Thanks again. And I will catch you guys later, at least on the lounge, if anything. So. Yep. Yeah. It was good meeting you both. Yep. Yeah. Thanks very much. Thank Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. back well abina that was a pretty interesting interview i don't know if i've ever talked that much about freemium games or even thought that much about <laughs> exactly. it so, uh, yeah, but yeah it was pretty cool I, i'm actually upset that we went on another pokemon go rant i don't know we can never get away from that for some reason yeah that it, it just seems to infect like every episode at least a little bit and i mean i guess that's a testament to the game good or bad it's got attention so yeah but yeah it was a really good conversation about the like, freemium games and like all the negative you know, impacts that it can have, you know, if it's not utilized correctly. And I really like how, what Late Panda is doing in, you know, Scorian Tales on how they're using, you know, you know, including advertisements and that premium aspect of a game uh, in, in a more cohesive and integrated way. Yeah, it's, it's good to see people like sort of think, trying to think about it. You know what I mean? Not just being like, you know, because I've been at places where it's like, oh, you got to do X, then Y, then Z, and, you know, don't forget to put in these feedback loops. You know, it's just almost yeah. a mechanical knee-jerk thing, and, you know, it, it, it can just snowball into something that isn't great. So it's, it's great to hear them sort of think about it and take another look at it and just try something new, you know? Yeah, so, 
So much thanks to them. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, it was, it was really good having them on the show, and I really, really enjoyed that show. So I'm hopefully you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, Elizabeth right Heed and Stephen McCallum yep. from Late Panda. And we'll definitely post all their information on the show notes. So check it out. Check out their Twitter. Check out their Facebook. Check out their blog. Check out their website. Check out the et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You check out their play. game. Let them help. Uh, give them some feedback. Yes, for sure. Cool. Well, right. that was episode 51. And um, without further ado, <laughs> I, I guess, this, I I guess this, this ends date night, right? Okay. This does end date okay. night. It was sweet. I, I enjoyed oh, my time with very you. Very nice. <laughs> anyway, you can catch me on Twitter uh, at Obeans. That's O with an H, Beans with a Z. And I'm at R E Kilgore, R E K I L L G O R E. Sweet. All right. Bye. See you next Later, time, folks. Bye. Come, you want to start with the end, you know? Yeah, sure. Um, let me think for a second how I'm going to do this. Okay. All right. And we're... Don't laugh at me. <laughs> Sorry. Don't laugh at me, Switzerland. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Go ahead. Man. I'm getting mileage out of that. Um... Mm-hmm.